Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Mukanda Maumbola and you are listening to the Scan Podcast where we talk about all matters supply chain. Our guest today is the first man. He's the first man that I'm interviewing here on Scan. His name is Multada Sisi. He's a managing director at Health Supply Matters in Sierra Leone, Freetown. He's a health and pharmaceutical supply chain expert and has worked extensively in health programs and design and implementation programs in the pharmaceutical niche. Thank you so much for making time, Mr. Murtada, and welcome. Mr. Sisi, I'd like to understand what is the uptake of COVID-19 in Sierra Leone at the moment? Are people going to take vaccines? The uptake in Sierra Leone has been problematic, uh, primarily because of various uh, conspiracy theories, misinformation, disinformation in the uh, social media. But uh, recently, there, there's effort now to address some of those uh, issues because we have a national national uh, committee for uh, emergency committee for addressing Ebola, and they have identified some of these uh, uh, conspiracy theories and misinformations, and they are now going across the country to try to manage these uh, issues, and I, 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 that is also reflected in the uptick now rising. Uh, there was also the issue of, of course, supplies of the vaccines themselves. People were saying, oh, I went to that center, they didn't have the vaccine, etc. But I think things are improving now in Sierra Leone. You had mentioned that you, your career started in, I think, 1977. So how has that been to date? I had started in the private sector, where as a pharmacist, uh, my point was that um, you get exposed to the fundamentals of responding to supply issues. In other words, on an hourly basis, somebody comes, they want some supply for their health. You, if you have, you supply. If you don't have, you tell them you don't have. But in that process, you are exposed to the need uh, for people's needs, supply needs to be met. And how do you prepare for that? It's through good supply chain management. And so through that, I got, uh, after about nine years, I joined UNICEF here in Sierra Leone, and UNICEF's, uh, one of their program arms was to um, improve this pharmaceutical supply chain in our country. And so I got involved into the program development for that, as well as the uh, supply chain response to those programs, those health programs. Okay, so you are currently the MD at Health Supply Matters. What do you guys do? Health Supply Matters Limited is actually a consultancy that I set, set up when I retired from the UN with a, the with a supply chain background. And my idea is to be able to respond to the technical uh, requirements of setting up or, or, or exploring the supply chain, not only in our country, but I also do offer services to various organizations, including the UN from where I retired. So, um, for example, where procurement issues, when there are problems or if you need advice, we get into the system, examine it, and propose the solutions for the way forward. So sorry that we have to repeat this, but you said something very important when it comes to the number of women who are in supply chain. And just to quote you said, but if we trickle down to the issues that affect women socially, then we will treat the issues of the number of women in supply chain. So if you could just reiterate what you said about the gender gap that is in supply chain at the moment. The point is that the reflection of 
gender issues in the supply chain, especially for women. Uh, my point is that first, it emanates from the overall or overarching issue of gender disparity in every aspect of our life. And so what I'm saying is that before we treat, although there are specific issues with supply chain in the, in the realm of women, we should note that these are a reflection of women's participation in national development generally. And so, for example, you go back and examine how are women uh, represented in the civil service? How are they represented in the legislature? If you don't try to fix those problems, then the, diff the, the task of correcting the problem in the supply chain itself becomes much more difficult. So, but I'm not saying that you, you don't need to address specific supply chain issues for women, but you should always take note of what happens at the basic level. You witnessed you Sierra Leone go through Ebola. And I remember I was a young girl and there was so much news. It was so hectic even just for our continent and also other countries. What, and then now we now having COVID, what could have been done better? Yeah, I came back uh, just around the time, I, I retired and came back home just around the time when there was Ebola. And my experience has been that the most important thing when there is a problem is information management. In Sierra Leone, one of the problems was that uh, they said the message was Ebola kills. And so people said, oh, if it kills, why should I go to the hospital? And so many people died because they said, I'm going to die anyway. So pro uh, information management is very important. But because after a while, they change it. When you have Ebola, please rush to the hospital. Then the chances of your survival are increased. That changed the, the whole trend. So when there is a, any emergency, we should focus on uh, before supplies, that is. I'm, I'm a supply chain expert, I'm saying this. First, manage the information. Then the supply becomes meaningful. But if you don't manage the information, you may have all the supplies, people will not respond to, to it. So that was my first experience. I also got involved in uh, thinking out of the box. I, I mentioned that I got involved with a group that was looking at plasma of uh, Ebola survivors as a treatment option. And we got to, to organize, to collect plasma from, uh, blood from plasma um, for Ebola survivors, and then uh, fractionating the, the plasma, and then hoping that that would be used as a treatment option. It's, it's, it's of course very common that you're already there because you have been in this place where you had to dig deep, you have to read, you have to expand your knowledge. So at the moment, which books are you reading? Who are the authors that are intriguing you right now? <laughs> you may be surprised that these days I've stopped reading. The only book I read now, because I have, not for the only spiritual reasons, because I find so many answers to our uh, to our daily problems. Is the Holy Quran? I can tell you that recently, I having worked with UNICEF, we're struggling with how long a baby. I mean, how long babies should be breastfed? And I was surprised to find that the Quran tells us that uh, the baby should be fed, uh, breastfed for two years, which is what we have been struggling with as, as scientists. Yeah, It's all in that book. So I really spend a lot of time now reading the Quran, not only because of religious reasons, but because of uh, um, general life uh, uh, solutions. So I've, I've moved away from reading more structured uh, academic books or even fiction. It's very lovely that you've said that because 
from people who are not of the religion. Looking in, they don't really think, because I've not interacted also with the Quran, they don't think that there is any sense. They don't think that there's, a, there's that, that a lot of information. But then now, something as basic as breastfeeding is found in the Quran. So you can imagine how intriguing even the audience will be to understand, like, oh, it's obvious, you know. I think that was, that was really insightful. So you worked with uh, the World Health Organization at some point, and it was an HIV AIDS program which aimed to strengthen health services to fight HIV AIDS. HIV AIDS in the continent, even in Kenya right now, there's still stigma to it, just to the name, let alone to the patients, let alone to ARVs. How was it at that time? Well, uh, when I reflect back on hindsight, again, it is basically information. When people don't have knowledge, they use what the ignorance to, 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 to make decisions. Stigmatization is basically, from my perspective, a lack of knowledge. Because when somebody has a health problem like HIV AIDS, you cannot make them better by stigmatizing them. You make them worse. And the intention is not to make people's situation worse. But because of the knowledge which is usually lacking, especially from the technical aspect, uh, people stigmatize others and then the situation becomes worse. So information management is so critical in, in the health service generally. If you tell people that, for example, you will shake hands with a HIV patient and not have HIV, they would accept that. But before that, they would think that even going too close to the HIV patient would give them HIV. So this is what I found to be the, the, the gap that needs to be managed every time, including the current uh, uh, corona. Yeah, there are certain issues you go, somebody is walking on the other side of the road, if you tell them that person has corona, they will move to the other side. So it's a knowledge issue, I mean, communication issue. So for, for stigmatization, that has been, from my perspective, the problem. I interviewed Azuka Okeke last, I think a few weeks back, and she told me one of the main things that really propelled her and her career was that she had a mentor. So what about you? Did you have any mentors in your career till uh, your retirement? And also, do you mentor anyone in their career? Oh, definitely. I had. A, I was very fortunate. I mentioned that when I came, I was employed by uh, an international company here. And my mentor really was my the, the pharmacist under which I, I, I uh, practiced before registration. And because of that, I benefited so much that I now have colleagues, young colleagues, uh, who rely on me. In fact, just coincidentally, yesterday, one came to me saying, I have a very important thing to discuss with you. I thought it was to do with career as such. And then when he finally said, I'm getting married, sir. <laughs> so when you mentor people, it's not mentor just for career. It, mean, it means mentor for life. I was very, very uh, pleased that outside the professional realm, this colleague of mine that have been mentoring professionally now thinks that I should uh, support him towards his wedding in February next year. So yes, I have quite a few of them that are mentoring here. So that's basically mentorship going beyond from the professional realm, the career realm to just day-to-day -day lives, which I think it's very, it's very important to have someone who you can just reach out to whenever life happens. So if you were to go into a desert right now, what would you take? What are those three things that you will take with you? The first thing I want to take is my health. Because when you give me my health, it means you are giving me almost everything. And then with my health, 
I will try to reflect on the many problems that we have on, in our world today, including health and uh, corona. The reason why I'm saying this, when you have health, health uh, staff being affected by corona, then everything is lost. So we as health professionals should ensure that we remain healthy to be able to serve our communities. And that's why I was very happy when you asked me about the vaccination. Mr. Sisi, after the very informative conversation that we just had, I'd like to inquire what would be your parting shot and also what would you like to tell anyone who wants to join the supply chain profession? My parting words that supply chain management is a profession like any other profession. In other words, it, there are basic principles which uh, cannot be um, ignored. Yeah. And what are those principles? The principles of, um, first, what is the problem you are trying to solve? Now, every problem has different aspects to it. The supply aspects have to be studied. But if everybody thinks they are supply chain experts, then we will never be able to, to give the appropriate responses. And of course, like you rightly said, this is not a, an agenda issue. Women have a role as equal as men. So nobody should say that supply chain is for men. That is not correct, because the principles don't mention anything about gender. So I hope that uh, A, people will understand that the profession has basic principles. B, it should not discriminate by gender. It doesn't make sense when you are, you are, you are pushing away 50% of the the potential, then of course that's not an efficient way. So I hope that with this knowledge, uh, people will begin to improve our supply responses to the various health problems that we have. That was all for today, folks. Join me next time right here on Scan Podcast. My name is Mukanda Mombola. I was with Multada Sise and we spoke about all matters supply chain. Keep it locked.